Hello, everyone. It is February 8th, and thank you for listening to my podcast, The Truth That Heals. On today's podcast, I'm going to give a warning because I do, well, <laughs> I, I don't plan to, but I might, I'm just giving you a heads up, I might say some bad words. So there might be some strong language in this podcast because um, I'm going to be real with, with people and uh, that's how I talk. And so just a heads up, you might have some uh, kiddos around. Uh, you might want to uh, lower the volume at some parts in this podcast. Um, so yeah, uh, before I dive into it, I kind of want to backtrack, uh, with other episodes that I had, uh, if you've been listening, I was in a religious community within the Catholic church and I loved the religious life. Uh, I want to make that clear. I, I love the vocation of, of religious life. However, and I hope that people inside uh, these religious communities, they're taking notes. However, uh, there were some superiors and members who who corrupted what is supposed to be a good vocation. And I'll say that they corrupted it because they made it more cult-like. And in a future episode, I will be breaking down what cult-like tactics they used to brainwash us, to manipulate us, to hurt us. But in this uh, podcast, I'm going to be uh, diving into my story of what happened and so that the listeners so that the listeners can have a better understanding of what my mental state was, my psychology, if you if you want to say. Some people say, oh, you should be quiet about it or, um, hey, find a therapist, find a different way to heal. And I tell people this isn't. For me, uh, doing this isn't, you know, just for healing. Uh, as you might know, if you follow me, I've started off as a blogger. I, I am in a writer's club here in San Antonio. And my perspective is that to the audience, you have to be authentic. And for me as a writer, I, I don't like the thought of me one day writing an autobiography and then the 11 years that I was in religious life, I'm going to just skip over it and just be silent as if nothing happened or just write about the good things. Uh, sugarcoating. Uh, I think that's a form of bullshitting myself, bullshitting, uh, bullshitting God because it's not true. It's not my true story. And I want to be authentic to myself, to God, to, to the audience. And so I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position where if you don't want to believe what I say, then fine, go ahead. Don't believe. Uh, but I'm putting myself in this vulnerable uh, position because I was, uh, when I left the religious life, I was miserable. I, I was almost like suicidal and I was able to climb up and you know, get through those dark clouds. I'm not saying that everything is nice and fancy now. However, uh, if my story can bring hope to other members, not only in our community, but it can be from other cults, uh, other religious orders. It can be from uh, other groups, uh, even outside of Catholicism, Catholicism or outside of religious life. 
or uh, even secular groups where you feel that there's this um there's this like belittling and you know you end up uh getting traumatized and hurt i feel that it's it's healthy to talk about it and if someone tells you oh you know just uh uh, be quiet about it and no you know i think you know me i'm i'm a 34 year old man um it's the truth and why why am i going to hide this uh i'm not gonna i'm i'm going to try to however hide names uh just because not out of respect because i don't really respect these some of these people but more out of um charity because although they don't deserve it um i'm gonna try my best to be a good christian and uh, i'll end this introduction with that uh that's that's the perspective i have i'm i'm sharing my story uh for one to bring hope to people uh two that uh, people can know that they are not alone and three um Another reason why I'm doing this is because so many people leave the church or leave their faith and they say, oh man, if, if these representatives of Christ were so terrible, how, how can there be a God? And I'll be honest, a part of me also wanted to leave. And if you have left or you have, I've been thinking about leaving, I don't blame you. I mean, you uh, you've suffered so much, so I I don't blame, and I don't judge, I don't ridicule that idea that people have or that path that people have taken. So so three for me is I want to show that it is possible to be hurt by representatives of Christ. However, me my perspective is um, even though they were representing Christ and they they messed up that doesn't have to dictate how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And I've loved God from, you know, from childhood. Uh, my family raised me in a very Catholic home and uh, Catholic school. And I, I've always loved it, but I have to make that, uh, that mental homework of distinguishing uh, what is my faith and seeing where people messed up and not getting it mixed together so uh without further ado i will be uh jumping right back into my story of what happened so in uh previous episodes i was breaking down on uh the the bad things that happened as well as the good things so real quick i want to um kind of touch again on the beautiful things that i saw in religious life and that was for me the missionary life that we had, the the prayer life, as well as the community community life, and all these things, these these three things together for me, you know, brought so much joy that although there were members, superiors who who were assholes, um, it, it wasn't everybody. So although there are like three assholes here. Uh, then, so you have like three bad ones and then you have like 30, 40 good people around. Uh, in other cases, it would be like 40 bad ones and like five good ones. So it, it would really 
uh, depend on the situation of where I was with uh, who I was around with and uh, also um, the the way that the superior was leading the community. So, uh, you know, after 11 years of being in the community, there were so there are so many stories that I have, but uh, I'm going to save those stuff for a book. And in the podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit, a little bit more vague because I'm aware that uh, people listening are uh, members who are, who are still inside um, parents or siblings who have uh, a loved one inside the cult community. And I know that this, these stories, me opening up can be very painful and it can be very enlightening. And so I'm going to continue my story from where I left off on, on how I was in the East Coast and I was going back and forth between good superior and cult-like superior. So I was, I was really happy most of the time because at least, I mean, I did do that solitary confinement, isolation, but then later on with the good superior, I was allowed to to be free i was allowed to uh go to prayer meetings to 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 do what i signed up to do which was to be a missionary so that really brought me a lot of joy however towards the end of my time in the east coast and that was in 20 2012 towards the end so let's say around 2011 uh i had already decided uh, once my vows are are finished, my temporary vows are finished, I'm going to go home and find a good woman to marry, uh, get a good education, uh, be supportive of other members who are still in the community, and, you know, go peacefully. And that was my goal, but um, if you keep listening to my story, I kind of went out with guns blazing. Not literally, but... <laughs> Um, so that was my goal was to leave peacefully. So by 2012, um, we were getting, uh, I hate saying this because this is like inside information, but, uh, we were getting kicked out by the Bishop from a certain diocese and I don't blame him. I mean, the, the, the sucky thing is, is that so many members from the lay and even from within, they're like, oh, pray for his conversion and this and that. And oh, so terrible, the persecution. And I thought, dude, you guys suck. You guys are, you know, preaching, parading as amazing, religious, holy people. And then look at what you, you did to me. Look at what you're doing to other members. And something happened in, in, uh, uh, in the diocese that, we're in, that we were in. And... The bishop, I mean, dude, he has every right to kick out that group. And it sucked, but I was, I felt kind of happy because I was, I was thinking to myself, okay, this is a learning experience for my superiors, especially the bad ones. Uh, I hope, I pray it opens their eyes that, um, that they're not perfect and that they are not as holy as they claim to be or act as 
And another thing that that really made me open my eyes was uh, this community, especially the cult-like superiors, they really pounded on uh, the vow of obedience. So I was talking about how uh, religious life was something beautiful. So for me, you know, the vows of chastity, poverty, obedience, I found those things to be very beautiful. But in this case, uh, these cult-like members and superiors, they would uh, corrupt the purity of it and they would use it to abuse and traumatize members. And so the the idea is when you're given obedience, you do not question, you do not think, you do not respond, you just simply do. There, there is to be no facial expression. There is to be no talking back. And it was even in our examination of conscience. There is no talking back. And if you do, there has to be some sort of penance or beat down. And, and so that's why, that's partly why uh, I stayed so long. Because there was love in it, but at the same time, there was fear. So going back to the bishop, I was thinking, okay, well, now it's their time. It's their time to show absolute obedience. And it's it's a simple obedience. I mean, dude, they fucked up. They messed up. And the bishop, you know, kindly, you know, wrote a letter saying, hey, you guys aren't welcome here. Uh, bon voyage. And what happened? <laughs> well, uh, some, some more corrupt things happened uh, there on the East Coast. But... I'm going to share those things on a different on a different episode on the episode on where I talk about the cult like behavior. But in my story, uh, as as those things were unfolding, I remember talking to the superiors and telling them, like, hey, look, um, I really had a good run. My my vows are about to end and I'm ready to I'm ready to uh, go home and call it quits. Or not really call it quits, but, you know, throw in the towel. Yeah, call it quits. <laughs> I'm ready to call it quits. I had a good run. I'm very thankful. And uh, you all have a good day. So the response I got was, um, no, uh, your vows are are still are still on the green light. So, um, you know, in a couple of days, we're going to send you to the Philippines again. And so instead of going home, where I desperately wanted to be, uh, they gave me tickets to a one-way ticket, I should say, to go to the Philippines. So when I arrived in the Philippines uh, for the second time, this was 2012. However, I haven't shared with y'all my experiences when I arrived in the Philippines uh, the first time, which was 2005. So I'm going to go back in time real quick with quick with y'all. And um, I want you to imagine uh, a chapel with, um, well, all I had were, well, we, we removed the chairs. So it was, it was a different chapel. There was no chairs, uh, no kneelers. And we'd be in there uh, from 3 in the morning up to, let's say, 7, 7.30 in prayer we'd be kneeling for hours um sometimes not so long um but anyways 
there was this one superior who he wasn't a priest at the time. Uh, he eventually became a priest. But the the way I see this guy, I'm trying to I'm not I'm trying not to get angry because yes, I am, and I was going to write and then read, but uh, it's 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 difficult writing and and reading because your emotions get so so locked in. So I'm just gonna talk on I'm just gonna talk from memory because these things really stay in your head. So um, he he was like a mixture of good and cult like, but I think in hindsight he was more cult like than good, and eventually he ended up becoming a total asshole. But you know I've still I pray for this guy, offer my forgiveness if he's listening. Uh, I don't hold anything against him, or maybe a little bit, <laughs> but I just want him to know if he's listening that uh, I do pray for him. But uh, let me, yeah. So let me go back to 2005 when I was in the Philippines, and again, you know, a mixture of good superior here, bad superior there, and then there's this one superior who comes, and because we're sleepy in prayers, uh, he says. Okay, community, uh, obedience. If someone next to you is sleeping in prayers or dozing off, I want you to slap him. And that is obedience. So again, I want to remind y'all that in my mindset, after being brainwashed so much, it's like if I don't do something that is that is given by obedience, it's a sin. And so I'm, I'm thinking, oh, this sucks, but oh well. So I'm praying, and then the guy next to me starts sleeping. I'm like, oh, dude. So I, I get up, and I, I slap him. And then this superior is like, okay, very good. But you have to also keep in mind that there are like 40 of us, maybe 40, 50 of us. I don't remember the exact number. So in one part of the chapel, you hear me slapping somebody. Then another part of the chapel here, someone else slapping another person. And it was just going on and on and during the prayers. And then I remember like some little guy, like four, four foot 11, you know, he comes up and he slaps me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, I can laugh about it, but it's not a good laugh. You know, it's, it's like, oh my, I can't believe that this stuff was happening. And some who are listening, I might be thinking, oh, very good. You know, this, uh, you were obeying God's will. So I know, I know that there are some listeners who are like that. And um, I disagree. I think it was wrong. But I just want uh, to bring up that superior. Because after prayers ended, and we're all like, you know, people have like uh, uh, <laughs> red cheeks. Uh, we're all like, you know, so tired and sleepy. Because we only slept like three hours a day. No, this priest was like, you know, very good that, you know, some of you obeyed and, and slapped each other. And for those who didn't uh, obey, you know, it's um, it's kind of like he was saying, oh, you know, what, what a shame. So keep that in mind. So that's 2005. And then my life continues. I go to the, uh, the United States for missions in 2009 to 2012. Missions slash solitary confinement and other stuff. So I go back to the Philippines. And um, I am 
when I, when I first give back, I get sent to, it's called the second novitiate, which was their way of indoctrinating, <laughs> uh, brainwashing us again. But we go to second novitiate and it's in the jungles, uh, up on the mountain, like way up there, uh, very secluded. And at first we have a pretty good superior, uh, again, not perfect, but I really liked him because he really, uh, gave us time to pray a little bit more freely, um, we would have uh, uh, musical uh, theaters, and it was more—it was more engaging with the people, with the community, with our prayer life. And then, um, so those brothers who I was with when I came back from the West Coast uh, in the Philippines—that that, that community that I was with—they got sent back to uh, Laguna, Philippines. But I, I had to stay a few more months because my my job was to be there for one year and I hadn't finished a year yet. So that superior who was uh, more or less good and I really respect him a lot up to this day. He gets sent to Laguna with the rest of the brothers. And then I am stuck with a different group of brothers who are uh, a younger batch, uh, the, the batch after me. And again, I am with that bad superior. And uh, I'm going to have to take a little break because it it's really painful talking about it. So uh, let me just pause for a second. All right. Sorry about that. I just had to, you know, get my breath, uh, relax a little bit. Um, drink some coffee <laughs> i don't think coffee really relaxes you but uh in this case it's, it's all i got in front of me so um so yeah so now i'm with this lazy slobby priest who's he's a priest now at this point and uh he was he was a bully and i think that he was very envious because i was um not to be arrogant but i think i was pretty good at you know talking to people and engaging with not only with the youth but with uh people in who lived uh by the mountains uh, over there in the, the jungle area people downtown in cebu city uh, and anyways uh, i already had that memory of him you know making us slap each other and him being a prick but now um i was there and you know this is the jungle this is the middle of nowhere and the, the error that this community did was that, you know, they kept him there and he was superior, he was confessor, and he was spiritual director, which is very unhealthy spiritually. Um, so I remember I was in so much uh, confusion because I didn't want to be in this place in the middle of nowhere. I wanted to be home studying or, you know, getting a girlfriend and living life. And I know how, how crazy he can be, but since he's a priest, you know, I'm trying to respect him and all that. But, um, I remember since, and he's the only priest and in those times they wanted us to go to confession every day. So this isn't a, a sexual abuse story. If you're thinking, Oh man, something happened in the confessional. No, it wasn't like that with me. But um, it was an, an abuse of power uh, because he had so much power. And 
So I remember going to him to confession and saying some sins like, uh, forgive me, I was sleeping in prayers. I fell asleep in prayers. I was late to prayers. You know, this is the way that uh, we were brought up in our examinations of conscience. And of course, I don't think those, that those are sins uh, now. But anyway, I went to him to confession and I was, I was going through a hard time. And I remember asking him, I'm like, hey, Father, um, can I talk to you? I'm really having, uh, I'm having a hard time with this vocation right now. And I remember he's like, don't waste my time. I'm like, okay, fine. All right. So after that, I wrote him a, a letter saying, Father, I'm, I'm going through a spiritual crisis right now. I'm here. I'm obeying. I'm doing all that I'm, I'm told to do. However, I don't feel that this is my vocation. Uh, I need some some guidance. All I want is maybe uh, some of your time for guidance. And I gave him a letter. And the next day, I remember in the homily. And the funny thing is, I don't think I was the only one to write him a letter. Um, but anyway, so the next day, it was either in the homily or at the end of mass or prayers. And this is in Tagalog, but I I already had an understanding of what was being said. He was saying, can you believe it that there are brothers who uh, are writing letters? And he was saying, how homosexual? I don't want to I don't want to get <laughs> censored. But he was saying in Tagalog, like the equivalent of a three letter word starting with F, uh, a homophobic slur. He was using that on me. Like in the homily, he's like, can you believe that there are these brothers who are writing letters like a bunch of uh, beep and uh, this is uh, insanity. This is insanity. And I was there and I was thinking to myself, what the hell, dude? I've, I've given my life. I've given up everything. I'm here in the jungles. I'm obeying every fucking thing that I'm told to do. I'm, I'm sleeping two hours a day. I am away from my family. You're being an asshole because I told you these things in private. I try to go to confession and you're an asshole again at the end of confession. And now at the end of mass or in the homily, you're being an asshole here too. So for me, it's like, where the hell do I go? What do I do? So I'm going to have to end the podcast here because time is up. But something happened after that which totally shook me and pissed me off. Um, and it, it just took me on a different tour in life. And uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> and if you have any questions, please feel free to uh, reach out to me uh, and uh, keep me in your prayers and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.